You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, what a fun Monday we're going to have, huh? Good grief. It's a beautiful day outside and then some really, really good news took place over the weekend. And it never would have happened, the decisions on Sunday, had Alabama not beaten Georgia 27-24. to Matt Coulter along with Lars. Noah Haynes is at the control. Let's start with the most recent events. Alabama gets in over Florida State. I think the committee got it right as far as put placing the top four teams in, although I have commentary on Georgia. But um, it sucks. It absolutely sucks, and it's not fair for Florida State. But you have to consider these teams a couple of weeks ago as opposed to these teams right now. And if the entire if the goal is to get the four best teams in, uh, I think they pretty much got it right. But I dare say that Georgia would be favored against Washington and Texas. So maybe they got it right. Maybe they didn't. But a big roll tied because Alabama will now play Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Lars, how are you, man? I'm wonderful. And uh, what a Friday night and Saturday of college football. Uh, amazing and uh, things worked out for Alabama. Didn't look good, didn't look good for a while, uh, especially early in the day on Saturday because we knew Washington was gonna get in and then Texas has a really Im- impressive performance. And, and my fear for Alabama was that they were gonna let that Texas result impact how they would play on the field and, and they absolutely didn't. Now, when it comes down to why did Alabama get in over Florida State? I, th- I think we can drill into a, just a, a couple things here. That for Florida State, since beating LSU at home in the first week of the season, the Seminoles have beaten four teams with a winning with a winning record: Clemson, Duke, Miami, Louisville. All right, Clemson is just a uh, a, a, a pale version of itself, a hollow version of what they normally are. And FSU still took him to overtime. Duke had a 20 to 17 lead and a first down at Florida State's 11 yard line when its quarterback was injured in the third quarter. And then Miami went three and five in the ACC. Florida State didn't face the conference's best quarterback in North Carolina's Drake May or the third and fourth place finishers in the conference, North Carolina State and Georgia Tech. I thought their victory on Saturday night over Louisville on a neutral field on a neutral field was very uh, impressive, especially with the third string quarterback. So that's one good, really good victory. But for Alabama, and we, we know the argument here, um, since losing to Texas, they have beaten a 12 and one Georgia, 10 and two Mississippi, eight and four Tennessee, nine and three LSU. Um, now, I guess you could say that Alabama needed luck on fourth and 31. I would argue that that wasn't luck, that that was athletic talent because I love it. When, when people are framing that argument against Alabama, they call it a Hail Mary. That was not a Hail Mary, Matt. I mean, we, we've discussed this at length. That was not a Hail Mary. That was a beautiful throw by Jalen Milrow uh, and, and, a, and a great play by the wide receiver. And and look, Florida State, they're weaker because of the change at quarterback. And Alabama's quarterback situation is the exact opposite. And you got to feel bad for Florida State. They did everything in their power. But I, I think ultimately it, it, it comes down to something very simple. Ask yourself, which is more likely, 
a Florida State team that couldn't move the ball against Florida or Louisville, are they the best team in the country? Or is, it, is, is the SEC once again the dominant league and its champion is better than any other conference champion? I mean, what, what's the more likely thing out of those two? I mean, you saw the reaction. I'm sure everyone did. It went viral on social media. The reaction of Michigan when they found out they were playing Alabama. Oh, my gosh. Those kids, it, it was mostly uh, non-players. Maybe have been all non-players. I don't know. Uh, but those, those fans, those students of Michigan, it was like they were deflated. They were just shocked. <laughs> they were not happy In to be going words, Michigan against. Michigan would rather play Florida State. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if Michigan plays Florida State, they're probably about a 17 point favorite. Right now, they've been established early as a one and a half point favorite. Uh, I don't even know if I would make Florida State, excuse me, Michigan the favorite over Alabama. But, you know, Alabama's playing their best ball at the best time. And. And who in the country wants to see Michigan drub Florida State and their even their second string quarterback Rotomaker? Like he couldn't move the ball very well, you know. And it's I feel really bad for Travis Jordan Travis, a class act kid, and uh, and hopefully has a really great NFL career. And you know he would have been in the Heisman conversation. Um, but I don't think this is entirely about Travis's injury because okay, in the last so right there, yeah, in the last, is, can I are say, they in? Yeah. If if Jordan Travis is still playing, I don't know. I I can't. I I I don't think it's entirely about the injury. Just because in the last two months, as I just laid out, Alabama has been a better team than Florida State. They have, they've just been a better team, and it's it is clear. I mean, and, and also the committee. You know, I, I loved that Greg Sankey had, had saying, like, are we living in reality here? Are we not going to have <laughs> our champion in? Uh, I think, what, SEC has won 13 of the last 17 national championships. They've been in every CFP national championship game. They've been represented in every game except one. I just, uh, and I think it was the very first one, Ohio State, uh uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. Ohio State, Oregon, maybe not the first one. But anyway, um, it's just clear that they made the right call. And the thing is, they made the hard call because the easy thing would have been just say, well, all the games were played on the field. Florida State didn't lose. They won their conference. They deserve to be in. So sometimes the hard thing in life is actually the right thing. And I think the committee did the hard thing, which was the right thing. They got the best team in. And if Alabama were to play Florida State, I think that uh, they might be a, a seven or eight point favorite if that were to occur. But it's not. Michigan, Alabama in the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl will have Washington and Texas. So it's set up for the playoffs. It happened in Alabama's favor. But whoo. Uh, they didn't get a lot of help, you know. Louisville could have won. Uh, well, that was kind of a painful game to watch, by the way. But anyway, I uh, want to talk about the Alabama-Georgia uh, game because Alabama won their 30th Southeastern Conference championship Saturday night in Atlanta. And they were the better team. And I know Georgia went in a six-point favorite, but Alabama was better on just about every single phase of the game. 
And, man, they had them coached up. And they had some offensive plays. And then they gave Beck some different looks. Of course, so did Georgia. Really, really good championship game played between two really good, talented, athletic teams and two that were really, really well coached. But in the end, what is the old saying about uh, coaches and their protege? Is um, Yeah, I taught you everything you know. I didn't teach you everything I know. Uh, I think Saban, with a couple of things that he did and challenging Kirby with timeouts and no timeouts and that kind of thing and going for it on fourth, uh, how about that fourth down? Anyway, we can get into that because we, we have got a lot on our plate here at lunch, and we're going to get into all of it. We will start here in just a few minutes as ABC 3340's Jeff Spiegel will be joining us, and then later on in our second hour, it'll be Nick Kelly from the Tuscaloosa News. We are bringing you big noon sports on a sunny, fall-like afternoon, December 4th. Stick around. This is going to be a lot of fun. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high at 62, clear tonight below 36. Look for a cooling trend tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow 58, the high Wednesday 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Big Noon Sports being presented by Haley Sansing, the miracle mortgage worker. Welcome you back into the program. Also welcome in Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Jeff, what a great weekend. I mean, just all the way around, that was a whole lot of fun, especially uh, unless you're a Seminoles fan. How are you, Jeff? <laughs> really good man i'm eating my lunch i've got uh those ritz crackers and some peanut butter and i'm drinking a sun-kissed orange uh zero sugar have you ever had one of those they're pretty good i've had the sun-kissed you know um i think it was sun drop that dale earnhardt senior used to drink all the way but this yeah, is a sun-kissed sun yeah. um that's uh no but i'll try it i love fruity soft drinks I like the Listen, sun, sun a lot. Great because unbelievable. Sundrop brings back some good memories. We used to have a Sundrop bottling uh, uh, place in uh, in Coleman County. I think it was off Highway 69, going out towards Fairview. And um, my, my my mom really really loved those, so we we get that by the case and uh, and bring them back. And uh, and those were so good. That's all I drank when I was a kid. Um, well, wait a minute. A... I did. I did drink some milk occasionally, but uh, <laughs> I didn't like drink Sundrop from like morning to midnight. But uh, but I drank a lot of it. Well, you probably wouldn't be the same person if you'd done that. But anyway, um, we could we could start in a whole lot of directions. But the most recent uh, events in college football was the playoff rankings. Um, it it absolutely said at the, at the top of the hour. I'll probably say it a few more times it absolutely sucks for florida state but i think their goal to get the best teams in ousted them and allowed alabama to get in number four your thoughts well i think they picked the four best teams and i think they picked the the four the best four deserving teams um florida state is not a good football team without jordan travis i mean 
look, if you if you want evidence that the committee made the right choice, look at Michigan's reaction when they announced they were going to have to play Alabama and the groans that came like from the Michigan, you know, football program. It's like when Nick Saban was introduced as the head football coach and he said, we want to put a football team on the field where the other team says, I don't want to play those guys. You know, Alabama is a football team right now that, you know, not a lot of teams want to mess with. I mean, at this point, this is a really, really physical, punishing, really great football team, which I think is is the favorite to win the national championship. And Boo Corrigan, I think, you know, one thing that he said yesterday in the interview with Reese Davis was what the coaches talk about. And the coaches talk about when they look at these teams, they go, who do you want to play? And they put some teams in that category. And then they put teams in the category of who do you not want to play? And Alabama was in that category of who you don't want to play. The Michigan guys were praying that Florida State would come up there on the four side because they would have waxed those dudes, you know, in Pasadena on January 1st. The team they did not want to see was Alabama, and it was evident by their reaction. I know. It almost feels like Alabama's already won the game. Uh, in, in, <laughs> and I, I say that very lightly because you and I and Matt, we've been on the field when the other team sees Alabama come on for the first time and they realize these guys are monsters. <laughs> Not only that, they're athletic. And and it's just like, wow, game over. Uh, I'm not saying that that's the case now. I mean, Michigan is their number one for a reason. But, uh, hey, let's dig deep into the SEC championship game. Uh, under five minutes to go in the first half, and Alabama has the ball on the Bulldogs' 37-yard line facing a fourth and four. Now, head coach uh, or Nick Saban uh, sends his team, his offense, uh, uh, back onto the field. And then, um, or he, I'm sorry, he kept it off on the field, tries to draw him off sides, timeout. Then you think, okay, for sure he's going to kick it. No, offense comes back and ends up uh, running or ends up uh, uh, hitting uh, Bond for a uh, for a, a big game. And that was to me like that was the sort of key sequence of the game. I mean, I, you could make arguments for a couple other sequences, but that just seemed out of character for Saban to go for it there on fourth down. Were you surprised by that? And did, do you attach as much significance to it as I do? Well, I thought Lane Tiffin was on the headset, right? You know, and, uh, and, and calling that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it just shows the confidence and the belief, you know, that he has in this football team. Uh, Chris Lowe wrote uh, you know, Saturday that, on Friday, you know, Saban talked to his football team and he gave a passionate speech, you know, about how how much he believed in this team. And then uh, Lowe said something happens that really never happens, you know, after after a meeting like that. You know, the football team stood up and, and they applauded. You know, I think this team connects with Nick Saban more so than any other team he's ever had. I think it's the best coaching job he's ever done. And so he knew those guys were going to convert that fourth and four. I mean, after what he saw in the Iron Bowl, when they converted a fourth and 31, you, you think he wasn't going to believe they could convert a fourth and four? And then, of course, coincidentally, it's the same connection who converted the fourth and four. 
And then you, you're right, they strike with that 15-yard, uh, you know, uh, with a touchdown pass to Burton. And so I think the two biggest drives in the game were that one. And then in the fourth quarter when Georgia scored to make it 20-17, to 17, and then they answered by going right back down the field and Milrow does that little Mahomes flip, you know, two bond again uh, for another first down on third and two. Uh, those are the two biggest drives in the game in the game to me. And Saban addressed him afterwards. He said we had two hellacious drives, and uh, really yeah. all three of Alabama's touchdown drives were quite impressive. And he started a little slow, but Monroe really came on in key situations. He made key plays. He made key runs, especially late. And then the passes he made, the Mahomes-like flip to Isaiah Bond was just such an intellectual. He waited, and he waited for somebody to finally get open. He moved around in the pocket, and then he flipped it to him. That was big time. And, of course, so was the fourth down play, which uh, CBS went bonkers over. I don't know if I want to dive into that pool. It's a sewer. CBS was not a very... Their uh, announcers, finally, as I guess they've gotten to everybody in the nation except me, but they got to me on Saturday. But let's not go down that road. All right. Um, what were some other areas of Alabama's football team that really impressed you against Georgia, Jeff? I think the way they ran the football on Georgia, which Georgia has been susceptible to the run all year. Uh, so maybe that wasn't a huge surprise, but the way they shut down the run. And the way they just, um, you know, they were the physically, they were the they were the more physical football team, and um, you know, it's one of those where the final score doesn't indicate, you know, the uh, the margin, you know, between these two teams. Alabama was, you know, clearly the better team, and I think another thing that that worked against Florida State Saturday night, you know, we were we were working on putting together our stories, you know, Matt, after the game was over. And, uh, and we had the Florida State, you know, Louisville game on. And I was thinking, you know, and I knew that was going to be the case. And I knew our guys, I knew our guys were going to be watching that game. And I go, we're not going to be able to get any work done. Because everyone's just going to be glued to that set and watching that game. But it was such an incredibly boring, undramatic, poorly played football game the worst thing that could have happened to Florida State was following the SEC championship game and how compelling it was with what with the display that both of those teams put on that night. Having said that, though, on the way home from the game, I'm thinking, well, they're going to put Florida State in because, you know, they've never left an undefeated, you know, Power 5 conference champion home. But then when I woke up Sunday morning, you know, I said, no, they're going to do the right thing. They're going to put Alabama in. And um, and they did. And, of course, when you put Alabama in, you got to put Texas in. But I think this is the best four-team field that the college football playoffs ever had. I think it's I think it's the most balanced. I mean, there are some people who think Alabama is going to, you know, run Michigan right off the football field at the Rose Bowl. And that could be true. But I think these are the four best teams, you know, they've uh, that possibly they've, they've ever come up with uh, for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think they got it right as well. Um, what about the Alabama defense and uh, what they did with 
Bowers especially. Do you think Bowers was not a hundred percent and and at least at the beginning of the game, I know that that Downs was mostly matched up on on Bowers and and I, I believe that was kind of the way it went for for the majority of the game. Uh, just your your thoughts on how Downs did and just the defensive strategy to uh, limit Georgia to its lowest point total of the season and also their lowest uh, uh, rushing total of the season, just seventy eight yards. Well, Bowers caught that first pass of the game and, and broke off a big run. And you're thinking, uh, holy cow. And then they, they go 83 yards on the first drive. But, but there were, then there was a moment where, you know, Bowers caught a pass from Beck and then Malachi Moore like dropped him for like a three yard loss. And then from that point on, you really didn't hear much from Brock Bowers the rest of the game. I don't know. I mean, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure it's because he's not a hundred percent. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, that kind of, that kind of sent a message to Georgia that, wow, you know, we, we better look at other options, you know, and Blab McConkie, I thought, gave a courageous effort. You know, this guy was limping around. He was obviously on yeah. one, you know, good tough wheel. He's a tough kid. Oh, my goodness. He, he gave like a gutsy performance. And, um, but, you know, those, those two guys were not at their best. But even if they were at their best, I think Alabama wins this football game. I just think they came in with a uh, with a better plan and more of an edge, and uh, and knowing that uh, knowing how much was on the line, and and I thought uh, I thought Alabama would have would have beaten them with a hundred percent Bowers and McConkey without a doubt. Jeff, can you uh, take a sip of uh, your sun kiss and have a bite of crackers and join us for the next segment as well? Absolutely. Uh, enthusiasm you're listening to big noon sports portions of our interviews related to the university of alabama are brought to you by laura lee thompson the bama broker back with jeff spiegel more jeff spiegel in a moment sports talk in alabama this is big noon sports And our guest is Jeff Spiegel, uh, television legend in the state of Alabama and Birmingham and a couple other stops along the way. But he is with ABC 3340, and he joins us. You know, Jeff, you just think about the progression of this Alabama team over the year. And, yeah, you, you point to Jalen Milrow, and I point a lot to Terrion Arnold. Man, has he improved. But so have the lines on both sides. But... I think it kind of falls below the praise of the players. This coaching staff has coached this team up. And, and I think that Tommy Reese has grown. He is now just significant in his play calling. And then Kevin Steele, hats off to what he's done all year, particularly Saturday night. You just assess some of the coaches as far as Alabama is concerned, please. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I mean, after the South Florida game, I mean, you know, people were ready to, you know, run Tommy Reese out of town on a rail. And, um, I, you know, the, uh, the defense has been, you know, terrific all year long. And it's had Kevin Steele's name written on it, you know, from the word go. Uh, even the Texas loss, I mean, you can't hang that all on the defense. Uh, but yeah, the offense has just come miles. And where I think this team has really, you know, grown the most is, is on the offensive line. Um, you know that. Listen, J.C. Latham and Tyler Booker; those guys, admittedly, self-admittedly, 
we're, we're talking a little too much at SEC media days and then early on in the year about things they were going to do and then the things they said they were going to do were not coming to fruition early. And so what they decided to do was kind of stop talking and then start, you know, working on getting better and helping out their, their brother on the line, Caden Proctor, who was really, really struggling at left tackle and was catching a lot of heat, you know, from media and from fans. And the way this offensive line has come together and the way they were, man, pushing that Georgia defensive line around, knocking people on their backsides, I mean, that they have just come miles, I mean, from uh, from week one, two, and three. Yeah, other than Jalen Milrow, I find Caden Proctor the most fascinating personal story on this team. Um, I want to talk about the coaches, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban. Saban is now 5-1 and one against Kirby. Um, and and uh, David Pollock, the former All-American at uh, Georgia, who I really like. He was on ESPN, and I, I hate the fact that he got let go there. But... He, he tweeted after the game, he said, I know this is going to tick people off, but Georgia beat Georgia tonight. Missed field goal, turnover inside the 20, too many penalties. And uh, he was just saying that uh, the, basically that the better team didn't win. Um, but is the, is it like the, the fact that, and also Alabama missed a field goal too, right? Like <laughs> Alabama, yeah. Alabama did not have its A game. Uh, Jalen Milrow did; he missed a couple throws that he has been hitting. Um, however, all that being said, does does is Alabama still like in the minds of of these Georgia players if they're committing these uncharacteristic mistakes and penalties? And is it has it sort of been just? Even though Georgia has won back-to-back national titles, there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say big brother, little brother, but there, there's a, 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 a dynamic that is really starting to take shape between these two programs. Well, for the longest time, you know, there, were, there, was, there was a long stretch in, during Nick's winning streak over Kirby Smart where Georgia had the lead in these games and, this is, and could not close. I mean, I, I can't remember what the stat was, but it was, uh, it was mind-boggling, like, how many minutes in these games that Georgia had led, and they came up, they came up with a goose egg, you know, in the win column. And so, for a long time, it was like, well, Nick's in Kirby's head, and, you know, and, and I remember doing a Zoom call with, uh, with David Pollack, you know, one time about that, and, and he, pretty much, he pretty much admitted that, yeah, yeah, I mean, Probably so. He probably is in Kirby's head. And, but then, you know, Kirby wins the national championship game. And everybody's kind of thinking the narrative is, well, you know, Kirby's, you know, broken through the glass ceiling. You know, he's now, you know, he, now he's the guy, you know. Well, I mean, you know, Nick proved Saturday night that, you know, he's still the guy. You know, he's, he, he's, he's still the goat as the fans were like chanting at him as he left the field uh, Saturday. But it's just, uh, you know, Nick is, uh, until Nick decides to step down, that is always going to be a thorn in Kirby's side. You said something earlier, and I want you to elaborate on it about team. 
uh, about way Nick Saban feels about the 2023 Alabama Crimson Tide and, and the postgame comments that he made there on the field at Mercedes-Benz Dome. He used the word team about six times, and then he did the he duplicated it in his postgame interviews from the podium. But you said this. You said you think he likes this Alabama team more than his 15 previous, and I tend to agree with it. Could you expand on that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been the most criticized team, you know, in, in, in his era, I think. Uh, it, it's a team that um, after the Texas and South Florida games, I mean, there, there were a lot of naysayers. You know, um, you know, when you're in the sports office here at a TV station, you, get, you got a lot of people who come through this office and they give a lot of different opinions. And, and there, were more, there were more than two or three people who come in and they go, hey, that Milrow guy's not the answer. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, there are people who are coaching him up who probably know more than you do, but that, that's your opinion. And then, and then there, was, there was one person who came in and said, you know what? There's something about this team. They're going to win the SEC championship. And I go, well, 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 there's a take. That may, that may be a little too positive, but, but, uh, but yeah, I get it. But the thing about this team is that, and when I said the team connected with Nick Saban more than any other team he's had, they're also connected with each other. I mean, and, and that's important. Sark mentioned that about his Texas team, and I think it's really true with Nick's team, too, is that, you know, as cliche as it may sound, you know, when they're, when they're in the trenches, man, they're fighting for each other. And, you know, they're, I mean, they're looking, they're looking after each other's back. And there's no, there's no finger pointing when things go wrong. You know, and their celebration a team celebration when things when things are going right and and to win a national championship you don't have to have that but to be a national championship team that people are going to remember for a long long time you've got to have that that's absolutely necessary there have been plenty of teams that have won championships with a bunch of unselfish guys and they do it with talent but the teams that win a national title and play unselfishly, like this team is playing right now, will go down in history as one of the greatest Alabama teams if they can finish the deal. Yeah, and it just feels like it would be a cosmic justice if Alabama plays Texas in the national championship game in Texas, right? <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, it just feels yeah. like that, that could happen. Um, I think another and, and I think fans really like this team, too, because early in the season, you know, even going against Mississippi, Tennessee, LSU, there was real doubt whether or not Alabama was going to win those games or I mean, they could win by 30 or they could lose by 15. You know, yeah. we just we yeah. just didn't know at that point. And just reviewing the season, Jeff, uh, was there a key moment for you when things changed or the first time you're like, oh, this team has a chance to be very special? Because we didn't see that early. There was, and I remember, I remember exactly when it happened. Exactly when it happened. It was the Ole Miss game. And, uh, and Jalen Milrow dropped back the throw. And there's an Ole Miss guy bearing down on him and is going to light him up. You know, whether he keeps the ball 
or whether he lets go of the ball. And he let go of the ball, and he did. He got lit up, and it was a strike to Jalen Hale in, in the back of the end zone. And, and Jalen was down, you know, for a little while. He, I mean, he got shook up. But when he stood in there and he took that, it, it kind of, uh, to me, I mean, that one play kind of just, that galvanized that team, you know, for that game. And I think, and I, and I think I said this the week after after that game about that play, is that you may look back at the end of the year, and that may be the turning point, you know, in the Jalen Murrow era, because it just, and the guys talked about it after the game about, you know, how they respected him anyway going into the game. They respected like what he had gone through and the leadership that he had provided. But uh, but that play to stand in there and take that hit and throw that touchdown pass. I thought that was a huge, huge moment uh, in the in the 2023 season for sure. Yeah, I vividly remember that play. Great. Matt, you and, I, you and I talked about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's a great point, and uh, nothing will galvanize a team when they see their quarterback say, I'm going to take one for the team, and then do, yeah. and then it's a successful play, not to mention a yeah. touchdown. So. Um, oh, yeah. They all go, this guy's with us because we're taking hits every play. Wow, that guy just took a shellacking. Hey, yeah. get back to your uh, your light lunch there, Jeff <laughs> Beagle. And we, will, we will talk about Alabama and Michigan next time we visit. But thank you very much and best to your team. Hey, I really appreciate y'all and uh, have a good day. Thanks, Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Spiegel, ABC 3340. Watching this week, they do a Great job on covering sports, and especially when television sports is just it's going the way of a newspaper. Golly, it hurts me to say that. We'll be back with more of Big Noon Sports in just a minute. Foot Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build Build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. If you need residential Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 23037. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon. Tuscaloosa's high at 62. Clear tonight, the low 36. Look for a cooling trend tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow 58. The high Wednesday 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. We won the SEC. You know, we beat the number one team in the country, which everybody thought on the committee was the number one team in the country. And they won 29 straight games. So if we needed to do something to pass the eye test, I guess that probably contributed to it significantly. And if you really want the four best teams to compete, um, the four most deserving teams that have progressed throughout the season. You know, we're not the same team we were when we played Texas. Are the same th- team that when we played South Florida, so I don't think we should be considered as that team right now. And I think people should look at the whole body of work in terms of what the team was able to accomplish and what they were able to do. And I think this team is one of the. Nick Saban, that's following his twenty-seven to twenty-four win over Georgia, making the case for Alabama. Then um, just um, a little over 12 hours later, hey, what he said came true. And uh, Alabama is the fourth best team in the nation according to the CFP rankings, and they will play Michigan. So Nick Saban has uh, just coached Alabama up, and he said something. He said, we're not the same teams we were as Texas. And um, unfortunately, being left out, Florida State's not – the same team they were prior to Travis Jordan. Um, I feel for them, but in the overall scheme of things, they got it right. And uh, I think they, they had to show some courage in doing it this way, Lars. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes the, the hard decision is the right decision. And I know this was extremely hard for the committee uh, because you don't want to penalize a team just because of an injury. But then you also have to ask yourself the question, who has a better shot of winning the national championship? The team that just beat the two-time defending national champion that had a 29-game winning streak, and they beat them, in my view, in pretty convincing fashion. I think uh, you mentioned earlier, Matt, the score wasn't necessarily reflective of what was going on on the field. I agree with you. And uh, and just how uh, sort of mundane and average that Florida State has looked ever since Travis has gone down. And uh, again, it's, it, it's not fair. But to, to Florida State, and I feel horrible for them. I, I, I really do. Um, but you know what they can do? They can, they can pull a, uh, what is it, Central Florida and just declare themselves. They win their bowl game. And, and but by the way, they're going to get throttled. But they win their bowl game <laughs> against, uh, against Georgia. I think Georgia's already a double-digit favorite. Um, 
or close to, um, hey, declare yourself national champion, you know, or have like Golf Magazine declare you national champion, and you can <laughs> you can hang the banner. But you meant you, you mentioned earlier, and I, I want to circle back to it that that you had some thoughts just on on Georgia and where yeah. they fit. It just you know it sucks for them too. Uh, maybe not as much as Florida State, but. I mean, this team had won 29 straight games, two, two back-to-back national championships. That win streak was the best ever in the history of the best conference in the Southeastern Conference. And by the way, they had a chance to win this thing. By golly, I'll footnote right now, did not want to see Carson Beck and Georgia get the football back, and Jalen Milrow saw to that. Um, But I think... uh, Georgia has a little, and Kirby Smart mentioned it in some comments since the since the SEC championship game that he felt like that they should still be in. And, and I think you you know if you were an attorney presenting the case in court, I think you could make a really good argument. But the the biggest argument is did they get the best four? I would say probably not because I think Georgia would beat Washington and maybe even Texas. Uh, but we all know. That's not going to happen. And I don't know about Michigan. They're, they're physical, run game oriented with a, a good passing when needed to pass quarterback is going to present problems for anybody they play. Uh, I guess that's what kind of what Vegas thinks, too. They've made them a point and a half favorite against Alabama. Yeah. Michigan, though, they did not look <laughs> impressive against Iowa. Um, you know, they had some uh, big play on special teams. And I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but the Iowa kid who ran like over 100 yards, he he missed the original tackle on that long punt return in the second quarter. And he ends up uh, uh, like he's on the ground. And the other, the Michigan guy who's really fast is just going straight up the field. I think it was number four for Iowa runs him down at the two yard line. And there was a little movement going on on Twitter or X that uh, give this kid the Heisman Trophy. Nobody knows who that, what his name is, but this is the, the greatest effort play I maybe have ever seen in my life. Um, but, uh, you know, Michigan, I, they're, they're going to try to jam the ball down Alabama's throat. That is just what they're going to do. It's going to be power football, power, power, power. And then they're going to ask uh, J.J. McCarthy to to make a throw here and there. And, and he has really improved a lot. Um, and uh, it'll just be, this will be a, 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 just a quintessential Big Ten Midwest team going against SEC's finest in the South. Southern football against Midwestern Northern football played out in the Rose Bowl. What and and with two iconic programs, I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be so special, so special. The fact that it's out the Rose Bowl. What a matchup between coaches too. Uh, (laughs) Oh gosh, that's yeah. Um, There's so many storylines. Love it. Hey, next hour from the Tuscaloosa News, Nick Kelly will be joining us. And as we go to our top of the hour break, I want to remind you about the Elvis Tribute Band. Jerome Jackson will be at Druid City. Tickets are available at druidcity.com, Town Square Media, which is tied 100.9. Our affiliate in Tuscaloosa is a big part of that. So order your tickets now. And we go to the top of the hour on Big Noon Sports.
Cindy Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. College football's transfer portal officially opened today, and some big names have entered. Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord and Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel among the biggest. As of noon Eastern, there are more than 350 names in the portal. Elsewhere, USC coach Lincoln Riley confirmed what many anticipated. Quarterback Caleb Williams will not play in the Holiday Bowl for the Trojans. Injury news in the NFL. Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett had surgery today for a high ankle sprain. He's been ruled out for Thursday's game against the Patriots, but is not expected to be placed on injured reserve. Mitch Trubisky will get the start on Thursday. Titans coach Mike Vrabel said running back Derrick Henry is not in concussion protocol. Reports earlier today said he was. Saints coach Dennis Allen said quarterback Derek Carr is in concussion protocol after he suffered his second one in the last four weeks. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And we're talking about the Tide, their big win over Georgia, and then being named fourth in one, two, three, four in the CFP rankings. That means they're going to be playing Michigan on the first in Pasadena at the famed Rose Bowl. Uh, Nick Saban has been the topic, obviously, for, on all fronts for this, but I don't know if you folks have seen this, but it's kind of a funny but not really funny, especially if you're Nick Saban's story. But evidently, after the Georgia-Alabama game, somebody leaked uh, his phone number out, and his quote yesterday that he had gotten... 250 calls golly anonymous calls um lars first of all on a serious side why would anybody want to call nick saban had nothing to do with being named fourth did he i mean he coached the team but it's not like he voted on his team but he had nothing to do with that would you ever pick up the phone and dial somebody obnoxiously and anonymously to complain about something they had nothing. I know the answer. That's no, really more of, of a course not. Question. Yeah, no, of course not. And uh, I did find it interesting that uh, Deion Sanders, uh, keep bringing him up, and <laughs> there's a lot of news about Deion Sanders right now that we're, we won't go into because it's a little salacious. But 
he did come out and say that he <clears throat> he had no problem with Florida State not getting in over uh, Alabama. And important to remember that Dion played at, at Florida State, and he said, "Hey, when Nick Saban is uh, wins the SEC championship, and I'm par- paraphrasing, you're not going to keep Nick Saban out." And uh, and I, I I kind of feel yeah that, that that's right and you know going back to what you mentioned at the end of last hour too it, it, it I, I hate it that Georgia can't be a part of all of this because it would have been so fun to see if they could do something that hasn't been done since the 30s and that is win three straight championships and I believe it was uh, Minnesota in like 34 35 and 36. Yeah. That was three in a row, and, go back and, and that's been that's been a you know, uh, and I, I think the last team that had a really good shot at doing that was uh, my Nebraska Cornhuskers market. It only took fifth or uh, sixty six minutes for me to mention Nebraska, um, and uh, hey, maybe they can get one of those elite elite quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Who knows? However. Um, I, it, it would have been a really interesting storyline to follow, and that's why uh, next year it'll, it'll just be. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm so anticipating the 12 team playoff because yes, we're we're going to have debates, you know, around 11, 12, 13, and 14, right? The, those the the, the seeds there, uh, the the teams positioning themselves and angling for the the last couple slots but it will be far less there will be far less import and impact and and meaning as opposed to what we had to go through this year and and again hate it for florida state that they get left out you're listening to Big Noon Sports, and you can call in, of course, at 205-342-9904, and that's exactly what Steve has done. Steve, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Good morning, me amigos. Hey, listen, <laughs> I need you guys to hear me out. You bet. I, look, I understand hating Alabama is, you know, politically correct. Hating Alabama is also low-hanging fruit. Why am I not hearing any of this national angst pointed at Texas? They basically did the same thing Alabama did. They made a huge jump. Why? And we, I'm not saying we had the same resumes, but they did basically the same thing Alabama did. What if it were Alabama three, Texas four? Would it be, would we get, would we get all this headache with that? Is it just because we were, I wish they'd have done that because that meant they, they would play in uh, New Orleans. <laughs> now <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah. coast to coast. And, and that's more of a logistical issue or not. But uh, I yeah. don't think the committee, given just about any circumstance, was ever going to move Texas above Alabama. I mean, ever going to move Alabama above Texas. Excuse me. Got that backwards. Okay. Yeah, just because of the the head-to-head result in September uh, in Tuscaloosa, 10-point victory. And then you have Texas playing so well on uh, Saturday morning against Oklahoma State. I mean, Quinn Ewers looked like... uh, he looked like the Quinn Ewers in Tuscaloosa, frankly. <laughs> the kid couldn't miss. I mean, if they wanted to, Quinn Ewers could have thrown like nine touchdown passes against uh, what I thought was supposed to be pretty good Oklahoma State defense. And uh, 
And so it, it's hard to drop a team uh, that is a conference champion that has beaten Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, really the the debate came down to Alabama and Florida State. Well, they, you know, they their championship was based on seven versus, what, 18, 20? Alabama's was based on eight and one. Um, I'm not taking anything away. Alabama's great. I love it. Uh, but I just don't understand it. I, I just, I just don't understand why Texas got in like. Uh, well, actually, well, I see what you're saying about getting ahead of Alabama, but I don't know that they were. I don't know that they're worthy to be against Alabama, be ahead of Alabama. I think Alabama beat them. Does that help? Uh, yeah, I do too. I, yeah. I think in a rematch, yeah. uh, in, and I, I think the committee, if you ask them, they would probably say the same thing, but. You know, you, you, you have to at least ostensibly value head-to-head competition. You know, if, if Alabama's uh, one loss, say, had been against Florida State instead of Texas and Texas was undefeated, Alabama definitely doesn't get in, even though Florida State looks terrible. But, um, but yeah, well, uh, yeah, thanks for your call. Really appreciate it. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point you're that's making That's a good, great observation. Sam is next. You're on Big News Sports. How you doing, Sam? Thank you, guys. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say about being pompous or whatever. But, please, let's get over the I feel so sorry for Florida State. They wouldn't feel sorry for us. Life is tough. And you have to get through situations like that. That's up to them. Hey, do I feel sorry for Florida State? Not in the least. This is the way it came out. And had it happened to Alabama, I would feel bad for Alabama because I'm pulling for them. But I've heard on more than this station, every, people just feel so sorry for Florida State. To heck with Florida State. They wouldn't feel sorry for us. And it, that's where I'm getting the I'm not sure what I'm sounding like guy. But that's, you know, hey. Oh, I think what? it's perfectly clear what you're sounding like. Oh, yeah. If it had been the reverse, if Florida State had gotten in, would you feel sorry for Alabama? Well, yeah, that's what I said. Absolutely. That's my team. I would feel so so, so bad for Alabama. But so the, the people I, I that pull I, for Florida State don't have a, they can't feel Yeah, they, they let them, let them feel, yeah. Come on, man. I think yeah, what you're saying, course, too, the, the, the country... The country would not feel sorry for Alabama. And uh, one of my uh, former colleagues at Sports Illustrated, who is a Michigan grad, Michael Rosenberg, he came in the defense of Alabama and he wrote, like, you know, defending Alabama feels like arguing that the bully needed the other kids' lunch money more than they did. (laughs) But because Alabama should not need defending. (laughs) Yeah, but but he's like, yeah, here I am. I'm defending Alabama. They deserve to be in. And uh, and I think if you just take a clear-eyed, clear uh, view of everything, who is who should who what what presents Michigan a better game? Michigan or excuse me, who will pre- give Michigan a better game? Alabama or Florida State? We don't want to see Florida State lose by. Fifty to, <laughs> to to Michigan right. in the first round of the playoffs at the Rose Bowl in the final year of the Final Four. No, I mean they I made the totally, right choice. 
Yeah, I agree totally. And and Matt, I heard you. Of, of course, the fans are going to feel sorry for Florida State. That's their team. I, but yes, I would feel awful today. I probably would still be in the bed if I went in. <laughs> but it's you know, I, I'm, it just kind of gets on my nerves. The the guys running the TV uh, um, calling shows or whatever, everybody feels so bad for Florida State. And you know, you know what? I'll again, tell you this, Sam. I, it, it's right. a lot easier to feel sorry for them from this yeah, vantage yeah. point. No, so you, you, you are. Yeah. I'll give, I'll give, I'll you, give that. you that. All Sam, right. Sam yeah, let me thanks. ask. Really, hey, just really quick, Sam, uh, one word question. Did you think Alabama was going to get in? No. Yeah, I didn't wow. either. Matt, did you? Even yeah, after they after won, I no. Looked at it. Yep, even after the win, beating number one, getting so much better through the season. Just a, just a quick that. note, guys. My my theory was that the 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 the, um, the panel, the guys, uh, the, uh, the I can't think of the word. Um, the committee, yeah. The committee, yes. Mm. Twelve years of college down the drain. Um, <laughs> the, the, the committee, the committee. I just felt like they were going to do whatever they had to to keep Alabama out, and that's probably some uh, you know feeling that I have that's ridiculous, but. I really felt like they were going to do whatever they could based on the last four weeks of ratings, and uh, they wanted Florida State to get in, and they just didn't. Anyway. Sam, uh, Sam call more show, often. You need yeah. to use yeah, that please, Sam, degree. call in. That was great stuff. Right. call in. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Let's guys. Take Appreciate a break, you bet. T-News, Nick Kelly up next on Big Noon Sports. Hey, Crimson. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high at 62, clear tonight below 36. Look for a cooling trend tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow 58, the high Wednesday 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. What a show so far. Big Noon Sports, and it's getting better all the time as Nick Kelly from the Tuscaloosa News joins us. Nick, how are you? Boy, what a, what a sunny fall day, huh? Yeah, and uh, just exciting weekend, and there's a good buzz in Tuscaloosa, and just a fun time of year. How are you guys doing? Uh, fantastic. I mean, everything has worked. As far as Alabama is concerned, everything's worked in, in you know, in their favor. And uh, I think they're deserving. Do you? I do. And, and I think, frankly, all five teams were probably deserving, uh, including Florida State. It's just a shame that it has to be four. Uh, I think the committee wishes it could have done what the coaches poll did. And I think they had uh, Alabama and Texas tied at four. 
in the final ranking. So, uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that I think a good team in Florida State has to get left out because they earned it, frankly. I mean, it's a team that went undefeated, um, but the committee could only pick four teams and had to make a tough choice. Nick, let's uh, kind of start digging into the SEC championship game. Uh, just your big picture thoughts, and, and did anything surprise you about how the action unfolded? Good question. I mean, obviously a big win. <laughs> um, I, I think the crowd was really solid. Um, Alabama, I think this year has experienced a, a resurgence of sorts, of sorts with it, with its uh, fandom. Um, and just Brian Denny, I think was more electric this year. I think that was even reflected in Atlanta. I mean, still there, there are more Bulldogs fans there, but Alabama was louder than it's, I think, been in recent championship games in Atlanta, um, for the SEC. And, uh, I think there's a good energy there. I think overall just Alabama played how we thought they could play. But I think the real impressive thing was how the defense did to me against the likes of Brock Bowers, Aladd McConkey. Carson Beck, who didn't get pressured much at all this season. Um, the defense was fantastic at times. It had a few moments where it probably would want back, but there were some really great moments, like Malachi Moore when he tackled Brock Bowers for a loss, and I think set up the sack that Dallas Turner had. I believe that was in the first half. Um, and then, I mean, Caleb Downs was fantastic in coverage against Brock Bowers. You had great linebacker play from the likes of John Campbell, and Tay Lawson, Bryce Marshall. I mean, just there are so many things to like about that effort and, and really just about where this team is at. Not perfect, but there's a lot to like and I think a lot of encouraging things to keep building on for their playoff game against Michigan. I noticed uh, throughout the game that Kirby decided to go with a two-spy defense. Um, it was pointed out. I know you guys noticed it. Did it work? I, my jury is still out. I think it did to an extent because how many like big scrambles did Jalen have? Not not as many. He had some runs, but those were designed. Those weren't. Hey, nothing's open. He's going to run. I mean, uh, at least to me, it, I, I didn't think that he had as many um, of those types of plays that he's had at times where oh, he's just going to break open and uh, go take advantage of the free grass. Um, so to me, it it worked. I guess. But it depends on how you define it works because the offense still had success at times. And really, if you're going to keep spying him, and you're going to keep using guys, then, then Tommy Reese and the offense can counter and then start passing to guys and start getting creative ways to get the football in the hands of playmakers. So, um, yeah, maybe it means that other teams try to do that too and Jalen doesn't run as much on scrambles. Uh, but I think we're still going to see design runs because, I mean, he's just too good with the football in his hands. Alabama's going to keep trying that. But... Yeah, if they're going to do that, then take advantage of them different ways that they can't then cover because they're spying in with two guys. Nick Saban is now 5-1 and one against Kirby Smart. Uh, did anything that Nick Saban did during that game surprise you? And I'm specifically talking about uh, the fourth down call and, and then any other uh, calls, that uh, decisions that were made. Well, first off, scared money don't make money. It's, it's the phrase. And so I, I like the decision, personally. Go for it on fourth down. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's any calls that surprise me. Um, I just think that there were some smart pivots and really good adjustments. I think Saban has been well documented what they did after that first drive where they were going with an odd front and defending a certain way, and they just got cooked defensively. 
and Saban essentially said to staff, like, hey, look, let's just, you know, we're getting beat bad enough. Let's, and I'm paraphrasing here, but whatever we're doing isn't working. Let's just do what we normally would do. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't, we're, it's already not working for us. So, and that decision to go to the two split safeties, uh, even front, I mean, Dallas Turner was getting split out. You don't want a guy like that split out. I mean, you want, he was out in coverage practically in the slot and you want a guy like that rushing the passer. And so I think that that worked out really well. That was a change that worked, but yeah, I don't know if there's any terribly surprising decisions. Um, to be quite honest, I need to go back through the game again, because when you have these conference championships, similar with basketball, uh, with when they won the SEC this past year, it's like this immediate turnaround to the selection show and what it means for the postseason. And, and so it's kind of with, <laughs> with that, it's like, okay, covered the game quick wrote about it, but then it's, what does this all mean for the CFP and then looking toward that. And so I need to sit down again this week and kind of digest the game on a second viewing, if you will. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, I was following you on Twitter really in real time. And uh, did you think Alabama was going to get in? What, what, what were, what were your thoughts? Uh, it, it just like, you know, and, and also uh, just very quickly about the broadcast and how they drew this thing out. Oh, my God. I mean, it's the epitome of could have been an email, right? <laughs> it's one of those uh, could have been an email type moments. But, of course, they're not going to do that. It makes some money if they keep expanding. And I get that. So I don't fault them for it. But, of course, you're like, you know, well, we're waiting type of deal from, from Caddyshack uh, was what came to my mind. Um, but, yeah, I, going into it, I really thought that it was going to be tough to leave Alabama out. If they won and beat Georgia, just somehow the committee was going to find a way. And to me, I don't want to say I knew they were going to get in, that Alabama was going to get in, but I had a good feeling about it just because the data points were there for the committee to use to justify including Alabama, didn't mean they would or that they should. But basically, it, it all comes down to what can you argue, right? So for Alabama, you could argue that their strength of schedule is much better than Florida State's. I think it was fifth as compared to 55th or something like that. Huge discrepancy. So there's that data point. You have the data point of Jordan Travis is out. So you basically uh, can argue that they're not the same team, which is exactly what the committee did. So, so they had that point that Florida State was missing its ultra-talented quarterback. So you can make those arguments. You can also argue that Alabama had the best resume in terms of wins. I mean, you had a win over Georgia, who was seen as the number one team and had lost in 29 games. You had a win over Ole Miss, uh, who is a highly ranked team. You had a win over LSU, another ranked team. You had a win over Tennessee, another ranked team. So, I mean, you had all these reasons that you could use if you're the committee to justify your decision. And so that is what gave me a sense of, okay, they could put Alabama in, uh, but they also could easily said, Hey, look, Alabama had a great season and Florida, but you know, Florida state went undefeated. So we're going to put Florida state in instead. And then you put Texas in ahead of Alabama because Texas beat Alabama in head to head. So they could argue that too. So I think it's just a matter of the committee had a really tough choice and they could, they pretty much had to decide what they wanted to argue and go with it. Alabama, because if the only argument was, Hey, we think they're better. Well, that's not a very foolproof argument. I mean, you, you can poke holes in that, and that's just in the eye of the beholder. So it, to me, they didn't have to do that, and that's why I thought Alabama had a decent shot to make it, and that's how it turned out. Anytime a guest can make reference to Caddyshack, 
and Judge Smalls. Well, we're waiting. Um, that means you're an automatic return guest for the rest of your life. Okay? <laughs> Excellent. I, I got to give credit to my dad. I got to give credit to my dad, uh, Chuck, because he's the one who introduced me to it. It's one of my favorite movies. So. Oh, it's incredible. I'll have it on because it airs, you know, often enough. My wife will walk through the room and she'll just look at me and do the SMH. Is that what they do on the shake, shake her head? Yeah. Why, Matt? <laughs> exactly. I've only seen it 15 times. I've seen it more than that, sweetie. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, I understand you can stay with us uh, for another break, so let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have more of Dick Kelly from the Tuscaloosa News on Big Noon Sports. Penny Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and buy build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Hey, welcome back. Show is presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. She is a mortgage miracle worker. Um, many thanks to her as we proceed up till the end of the year when Alabama will take on Michigan. Uh, just another note. Did Georgia have much of an argument here? Because I think they really did as far as making the Final Four in the playoff rankings. I mean, maybe. Like, I, I think there's an argument for, hey, Georgia's one of the four best teams. But as I talked before the break, I don't know what you have to justify that as much. I just think it was going to be tough because if, if this were any other year, I think Georgia would have been right in that bubble um, and could have maybe even been in. But the fact that Alabama was very much so on the, the edge of that and potentially not in it, and they had won the SEC and beat Georgia, to me, told me, yeah, Georgia's not going to probably be in it. So I, I think it's just hard to argue the the eye test if you don't necessarily have the right data to back it up. Maybe you do. I haven't studied Georgia as much as I studied Alabama's case going into Sunday, but I just think it was going to be tough to, to justify that for the committee. Well, the ultimate tiebreaker there, if there's going to be a fourth, it's going to be Alabama because they won it head-to-head and won the championship. Right. They're, they're 30th in Crimson Tide history, which is, by the way, a little mind-boggling when you think about that as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, later we'll get you on. We'll break down Michigan a little bit. But it just popped into my head because this is the day of the transfer portal. Have you heard mm-hmm. anything concerning Alabama? I mean, it sounds like yet is that we might not see a ton of movement until after the bowl game. Um, that's that's what happened two years ago when they made the CFP. Um, but 
the window is shorter this year. And so there's always a chance we could see some guys enter before um, because the window to enter ends January 2nd, the day after the Rose Bowl. So there is a very small window. So we, but, I mean, we might not see guys enter until that day um, officially, but I think that plans will be made before then and decisions will be made before then. It just might not be until then because once you enter the portal, you can have your scholarship basically used on someone else. So if, say, a guy entered the portal today, well, that's going to leave him without a chance to go take part in all this this bowl game and playoff stuff, which, to be honest, I mean, heck, I'm excited for the Rose Bowl. It's it's a very rare opportunity you have to go, especially when you're in, in SEC land, to be part of the Rose Bowl. Um, and so if it's me and a player who wants to be part of that, he could make his plans and wait until after that to officially enter the portal. Um, but as of today, I checked with the people who I know with access to the portal no one from Alabama is in it as of right now. Um, but heck, guys, with, with the portal, things change daily. With NIL, with NIL involved, things change daily. So you can never say anything with 100% confidence or certainty, but that's the sense I get right now. A, a transfer portal question that I do not know the answer to, so I'm going to lay that out there front in front. Uh, once you enter a transfer portal, are you – pretty much not considered a member of the team you don't practice you don't go to bowl games is it uh are you are you kind of an outcast at that point Uh, it depends there's no i think rule on that uh if i remember correctly jack martin the backup specialist i think he entered last year during the season but he still was with the team um so i think it was a, a matter of you know, he still was neither allowed to, and just his name was in the portal, so other teams could talk to him about coming to play for them. Um, so I think it's just it's case by case to an extent, but essentially the way it works: once you're in the portal, you are not owed your scholarship then at the school that you're looking to leave. Um, so if you enter the portal and you're like, you know, actually I think I want to stay at Alabama, well, Alabama could use that scholarship in someone else. So there's no guarantee that you're still going to be able to get back in. So um, yeah. To answer your question, I think it can vary, but basically the, the safe way to do it is not enter the portal because at that point you're kind of at the whim of what the school wants to do. How does Alabama Nick Saban handle a player when they want to enter the transfer portal? Do they have conversations prior to the player's decision? It sounds like it. I mean, Nick Saban said yesterday that he's going to hang around the office today so that players can come by and meet with them and get his, his honest answer. And and I don't think he gets enough credit for this. Everyone always thinks of this, <laughs> you know, celebrity, big kind of scary coach to an extent. But, I mean, he, he's really there for these guys, and I think he wants to help a lot of them out, um, even if that means not helping Alabama. Um, and so he wants to help make the right decision because the reality is with the portal, I mean, you've got how many guys that enter it that end up not having a scholarship afterward, and they're stuck in the – portal limbo essentially um and that's not good for these you know young men and, and it's not going to end well for a lot of them um and so to me it's it's a matter of I, I think he wants to help them make the best decision for themselves and he's there to help them make it um and so it's not completely him just looking out only for alabama i mean he's a player's coach nick saban really is and, and i think he's looking out for their interests and he's there to be a resource to them and to provide them the right guidance and him and his staff are, are there for them to do that and so i think Alabama's trying to do this the right way in terms of helping these guys out um, and make sure they make the smart decision. I mean, there's the very famous story of him helping Jalen Hurts 
know where to go play quarterback. What's the best option for him? And, and that continues. That, that's not something that was a one-time thing. Is this Nick Saban's favorite team? <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, he's. I think he's having fun with it, but depends on what you define as favorite, what he defines as favorite. He's avoided the question of if it's his best coaching job, but he's having fun with it. I think he's talked about the idea of when you're not on top of the mountain, it's kind of fun to climb it. And I think he's enjoyed that aspect of it because he enjoys coaching these guys. He enjoys helping them learn, helping them get better. Um, so he gets to do what he does best and what he enjoys the most. And so, yeah, I think an argument made is this is probably up there for him. Um, but also it's taken a lot of years off his life, I think, uh, just the stress of this team, and I, as it has for many fans. Yeah, his uh, his comments in the post game following the SEC championship game is just I'm tired. Oh. and but he said it in a, in a in a funny way. But yeah. I believe this team, if nothing else, has made Saban coach more than perhaps he had with some of the other teams in the past. And I, when he says he's tired. I really believed him, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think this team has been a lot of work, but that, that to Nick Saban isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think he loves to work. Um, the uh, the uh, element of getting to instruct guys and even put in extra work, I, I think he enjoys that. So I, I don't think that him being tired is necessarily a, an indictment on Alabama or something. I think it's just a matter of he's had to work more, and but – I think he preferred it that way. Well, we all know in our walks of life, um, working hard and having suggests that's a great tired. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, no doubt, no, no doubt. When we uh, get closer to the Wolverines and the Crimson Tide, we'll talk about X's and O's more. But you not just cover Alabama, but you're on venues. You're in venues where you're among a lot of national writers and, and broadcasters as well. Can you capsulize what kind of the overall maybe coast-to-coast feeling is on Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I, To be honest, I haven't ventured too far into it. Um, and there can be a little bit of a SEC focus to what, what I'm reading, what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I think that, of course, with all the, the negative light that's been cast in that program, uh, there's skepticism about what's happening there, right? I mean, I think that's only natural. Um, but to be honest, I, I can't give you too much more of an educated answer than that. Uh, than someone might hear down at the local bar just talking to <laughs> different fans and stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's when, you, when you're suspended twice in one season, that's not necessarily a good look. Um, so I, I guess I'll leave it at that. I get outside of the state of Michigan, I would think he's probably looked upon as a. Kind of a bad guy, if that's a, a, a good way to describe a coach. Whereas um, I don't know that the rest of the nation considers Nick Saban wearing a white hat all the time. But I, I think if you were just doing pros and cons and coaches here, that Nick Saban uh, oddly would, would probably be favored here. But I guess as you do a deeper dive and we talk about it more, we'll do that. Hey, we always appreciate you uh, joining our show. Are you going to be able to get a day or two off here before Christmas? <laughs> Hopefully, I'm uh, unfortunately going to uh, be going home a little bit before Christmas, and uh, just because it's easier for me to do that than 
I'm actually going to be flying uh, around Christmas time to Pasadena. So, um, yeah, I'll be getting some time off, which uh, <laughs> looking forward to and seeing some family and um, always a good thing. So, uh, yeah, exciting time of year, but a lot of fun things going on, too. Well, if you don't mind me asking, where is, I think we've talked about this, but where is home for Nick Kelly? Minnesota. So a yeah. uh, long ways from here, but which, uh, Lars, you went to, to college uh, in in Minnesota, right? Yeah, uh, Lars had to step away for a minute. But, yeah, he went to St. Olaf. Uh, That's right. Which I think is a D3 school, and I think they just made the championships of the D3 soccer. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I actually attended a football camp there two years in a row when I was in high school, so small world. <laughs> I still don't know how you and Lars deal with the winters. I just... Uh, he well, I moved down here. Of, that's well, that's, he that's how too. I dealt with it. <laughs> but he would tell me stories about as a child. You know, he was you know he would he was a newspaper kid, and rolling the newspapers where his hands were so dang frozen that he couldn't put the rubber bands on them and stuff like that. And that's, that's not crazy. just one day. You know, that's several months of dealing with that. So that's you're crazy. smart. You're smart. Um, you moved down here. And we appreciate that, certainly. Uh, we'll let you get away. I know Bama's got basketball tonight. They're taking on Arkansas State. I'll give you a couple of notes on that on the other side of this break. Nick, thank you. You're very generous with your time, and Merry Christmas. Thanks for having me, Matt. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yep, we, we will indeed. All right, there are a couple of little uh, other things. They're not really that little that we need to uh, get into, and we'll do that coming up as we finish up the Monday edition of Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high at 62, clear tonight below 36. Look for a cooling trend tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow 58, the high Wednesday 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us here. And I uh, appreciate Noah Haynes' work on the other side of the glass as we bring you Big Noon Sports in the final few minutes here on this uh, sunny Monday afternoon. A little bit chilly, but I'm okay with that. Hey, I wanted to just make a note here on the rankings according to the college football playoff, you know, committee we we know that it went michigan washington texas alabama florida state i thought it was also interesting that the coaches poll went michigan washington texas alabama i think it may have been noted that the coaches also put uh texas alabama in a tie and i guess that allows now then florida state would still be fifth but the associated press which is generally comprised of broadcasters and sports journalists from around the nation, okay? They went Michigan, Washington, Texas, Florida State, Alabama as uh, their poll. And I, I took that of note because um, I think, and perhaps that they really, really believe that Florida State was fourth. You would like to think that. But... Um, I think that there's been something that's been talked about for many years now with Nick Saban at the helm to Capstone. 
and that, that there is um, an Alabama fatigue nationally. Of course, we don't care. In fact, I think most of us embrace it. If you don't like us, that's okay. There's a reason you don't like us, because you can't beat us. So I just wondered if the national media had uh, maybe a little bit more empathy for Florida State than uh, they would Alabama as far as just the overall voting in their poll. Of course, their poll has different criteria. The rankings, the CFP, is to get the best four teams into the playoffs. But I, I would maintain, it would. Uh, what if Georgia and Washington were to play? Who would be favored? I think many would say Georgia. So wouldn't that make them better? And among the four? You know, uh, there are a lot of places to crawl around and talk about concerning what happened Sunday afternoon. But the bottom line is, that's the way it is. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. Alabama will take on Michigan in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. January 1st, Washington, Texas will play at the Sugar Bowl. And uh, that will be its first of the year as well. So that's what's going on in the future for the one, two, three, four teams. And I think, uh, obviously, with the Michigan game, and uh, the Wolverines are spotted 1.5. I wonder aloud, I've I've used this example about Vegas. I mean, what would Vegas do if they matched up these teams and who would be favored? Um, I'm thinking Alabama would probably be, be favored over Washington and even Texas although the Longhorns won earlier this year. I think Alabama has improved much more. Anyway, you know what? That's why we play the games. A couple of other notes that I just jotted down here to wrap up the show. Um, The transfer portal, we talked briefly about that, is now open. And I read earlier that this is like the first day, okay, that, you know, players could do this. You could hint around about it, as Will Rogers did. You can hint around about it, but today is the day you put your name in the portal. At last count, there were like 450 players in the transfer portal. And that's like three or four per team. Now, some teams have a lot more than others. And like Alabama, nobody has entered the portal yet. But you've got quarterbacks, the top three I mentioned as far as recognition. Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord entered the transfer portal. Huh? I mean, wow. You got a chance to probably go out and compete for another national championship next year. But uh, he's in the portal. Uh, Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers is in the portal. He announced a couple of weeks ago his intention to do that. I do wonder if the change of coaches there in Starkville, Mississippi, to a pass-oriented coach, uh, to one that was uh, very typically close to the belt, close to the vest, Maybe he'll go back. I don't know. But he did transfer without hesitation. Uh, Another one that really surprised me, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. Usually when these quarterbacks enter a transfer portal, even though it's hard to believe, they started every game of the year, okay? McCord may have been banged up a couple, but they started every game of the year, yet they're still transferring for from programs that are competing for conference and national championships. That's the transfer portal. That's the way it is. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, kudos, and we'll talk with somebody at the Birmingham Bowl later this week. They got a good matchup, Duke and Troy. 
I think Troy is one of five teams from this state that are playing in bowl games. That's pretty cool. JSU will take on Louisiana and New Orleans. We got to go. Bye.